All right, now we're ready to move into what does the coming of Christ the second time look like? And what is he coming to do uh, as, he, as he approaches the end of the age? Uh, what, what is this all about? I, I have to say that all during my growing up years, I never heard a single teaching about this. Uh, I grew up in a mainline denominational church. Uh, second coming of Christ simply was not a part of our belief system. We never once looked into all of this. Um, I've been around quite a few different denominations and different kinds of non-denominational churches. And I'd say at least half of them never discussed this subject. It's like we, we are not uh, aware that this is even something that Christians believe. Um, half, I would say, half, at least half the Christians in our country, this is not a part of, uh, of the doctrines. If we had been uh, preaching the kingdom of God all along, we could not be so ignorant about this whole dimension of the second coming of Christ. It's like so many people think this is just um, like for strange, like cult-like, almost sectarian or, or weird sects in the Christian church. But most people today don't really believe in, in these things. And, and, and let me make a simple point here. Actually, Mike Bickle makes this, and I really recommend his website, mikebickle.org, where you'll find uh, this, um, 150 chapters on the end times. And this is a significant document. You can download it. I really recommend that you do. I took the, the, the material on here and reduced all the chapters about the end times to just a list of passages. And this is my list. And uh, he makes the point that there are more chapters about the second coming of Christ than about the first coming, even though you include the four Gospels in that. And yet uh, there's, there's more significance. There's more uh, of a sense of the culmination of things. It's all really about the second coming. The first coming is merely to prepare the way for the second coming, which is the fulfillment of the gospel of the kingdom. So if we had been preaching the gospel of the kingdom all along, you see, there wouldn't be this area of ignorance in the, in the Christian churches today. So let me just uh, recommend MikeBickle.org. There's a lot of uh, teaching on his uh, website that I, I really think is good teaching. And uh, But what I would really love to recommend is that you print off this whole list of passages and then spend a year just looking at all of the verses that deal with the second coming of Christ. All right. Now the the, the passage that deals with the actual day that Jesus is coming back, the events surrounding his actual return, um, no passage is more central to this than 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 18, which lists five uh, events 
five actual events that are going to happen in connection with this. So uh, as we move into Revelation, uh, the seventh vision, uh, I, I feel like it's important that we look and read, look at 1 Thessalonians 4, starting at verse 16. Let's read this. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Now that's that last part is a description of the rapture of the church. So let's just look at each of these ingredients. First of all, there's a loud command, or um, when you look at this in, in the rest of the Bible, it turns out to be a loud roar, actually, a, a, a roar that is going to be heard worldwide. For example, let's look at Jeremiah 25. I really recommend that you um, go to these scriptures and look them up yourself as we're going through them. But here's uh, verse 30 and 31. The Lord will roar from on high. He will thunder from his holy dwelling and roar mightily against his land. He will shout like those who tread the grapes, shout against all who live on the earth. The tumult will resound to the ends of the earth. The tumult will resound to the ends of the earth. Can you imagine that? I mean, we're talking about a supernatural roar here. You know, like Aslan the Lion uh, in C.S. Lewis's Narnia books. Um, For the Lord will bring charges against the nations. He will bring judgment on all mankind and put the wicked to the sword, says the Lord. So here's a description of what we're talking about just briefly in 1 Thessalonians 4. And it's a roar that, uh, that has to do with the people of God. Okay, let's look a little bit more at this. Hosea 11, uh, 9 to 11. I am God and not man, the Holy One among you. I will not come in wrath. They will follow the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children will come trembling from the west. They will come trembling like birds from Egypt, like doves from Assyria. I will settle them in their homes declares the Lord. So the roar, this is the same roar, and yet you get a different feeling about it because instead of a roar of judgment against the nations, this is a roar almost of protection for the people of God. So it's the same roar, but different people groups are going to feel differently about this, this event. And so it's described by different words in these different passages. Here's Isaiah 42, verse 13. Let's look at that. Isaiah 42, verse 13. Let them give glory to the Lord and proclaim his praise in the islands. The Lord will march out like a mighty man, like a warrior. He will stir up his zeal. With a shout, he will raise the battle cry. So the the roar is not only a message to the nations and and a message to the people, but it's a battle cry 
which turns out to be towards the angels that are coming down with Jesus. He comes with all his holy ones. And then finally, John 5, 25 puts yet another spin on this. 5, 25, um, I will tell you the truth. A time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. So there, it, <laughs> this is going to be a loud roar and it's going to raise the dead and we'll see that as we go along here. Okay, so the second uh, of these events is the voice of the archangel. So the roar um, is a signal to the angels. And of course, the angels are in battle array and they're going to be ruled or, or, or commanded by the archangel, probably Gabriel. And so let's look at Zechariah 14 and we're going to read verses... Two to five. I will gather all the nations to Jerusalem to fight against it. The city will be captured, the houses ransacked, the women will be raped. Half of the city will go into exile, but the rest of the people will not be taken from the city. Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. On that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west, forming a great valley with half of the mountain moving north and half moving south. Okay, and we, we dealt with that in the previous vision, uh, to, the previous two visions really, that there's going to be a great earthquake. There's going to be a shaking of the nations. And so that the, 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 the judgment that even affects the earth itself uh, is, is, is going to be a part of this great culmination of history. Okay, and uh, so you will flee by my mountain valley, for it will extend to Azel. You will flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Isaiah, king of Judah. Then the Lord my God will come and all the holy ones with him. So it isn't just the, the, the coming of Jesus. It's the coming of Jesus with his angelic armies. And so this is a really important piece of the second coming of Christ. And then uh, let's look at Matthew 13, 41, uh, where he says, uh, the Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out, they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. So this is a big job, but the angels are going to be equal to the job, and there's going to be a sifting, a cleansing, um, a, a new beginning here, and the angels will be a, 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 an important part of that. Okay, now let's move on. The, the third element here is the trumpet call. There's going to be a trumpet uh, call of God here, Matthew 24, 30 to 31. Uh, let's read. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, 
and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. So this is really what's called the last trumpet. We'll, we'll look at that in a minute again, but let's, let's go to Isaiah 27, verses 12 to 13. Okay, Isaiah 27. In that day, the Lord will thresh from the flowing Euphrates to the wadi of Egypt, and you, O Israelites, will be gathered up one by one, and in that day a great trumpet will sound. Those who were perishing in Assyria, those who were exiled in Egypt, will come and worship the Lord on the holy mountain in Jerusalem. So it looks like refugees are returning from these two areas uh, where they've probably been captured and taken, but now there's, there's a rescue. So part of the trumpet call is a rescue call. It's a, well, it's, it's almost like the cavalry, uh, you know, in the old westerns, you know, a trumpet call to, to bring the, uh, the troops to rescue those who are in deep trouble. And uh, so now let's move on here. The dead in Christ shall rise. And of course, the big chapter on the, the resurrection of the dead is 1 Corinthians uh, 15. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 51 and 52. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We, We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound... The dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. All right, so what what we see here is that Christians uh, get new bodies, like what Jesus had. Jesus was not uh, a spirit only, but he received, when he was raised from the dead, he was given a new body, and of course, he, he walked and showed that he could eat food and, and uh, be touched, and it, it was like uh, a, a strange kind of corporeal existence uh, that we don't understand, but that Jesus himself demonstrates. And so now, we who are in Christ will receive new bodies. Um, when Jesus was raised from the dead, actual graves were open, but that is not necessarily what we see in this promise. The, the main thing about this promise is that Christians get new bodies. Um, the opening of the graves and, and all of that kind of thing is not necessary to this particular promise. It's, it's that, that our spiritual existence gets clothed with some kind of new clothing. And, and the purpose of that, as I understand it, is that we will be able to walk this earth as people, uh, people with an eternal existence, helping Jesus do the work that he's uh, being called to do, to, to perfect the earth, to put down all other authorities and powers, to restore all things, to bring all the nations to uh, a, a heavenliness, to, to write laws on hearts until everybody is living 
like God wants. And so the fulfillment of all this old covenant prophecy, the law and the prophets fulfilled down to the last detail. So that's the purpose. We, we get these bodies because Jesus needs some help and we're his helpers. Let me also read 1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 23. Uh, 15, 20, and 23. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own turn. Christ the first fruits, okay, he's already been raised from the dead. Then when he comes, those who belong to him. So his second coming is the time when those who belong to him will be raised from the dead. They will receive these new bodies, resurrection bodies like Jesus. Then the end will come. Okay, this is a future time when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. We'll look at this some more a little bit later, that there's a, there's a series of promises, but they don't, they don't all happen at once, but they happen in God's timing. And so we, we need to look at what his timing is. And then finally, the last event is the rapture of the church. When those who are alive on the earth, when Jesus is coming back, and they will be physically lifted up to, to join this great host of Jesus and his heavenly host as they're coming down. And, uh, and they... Uh, apparently are going to receive their new resurrection bodies as they are being lifted up in the air. Uh, so it's almost like um, uh, people who are going out to greet a conquering hero and they become a part of this great uh, a band of, of, of rejoicers as, as they're coming home after a great victory and and they, they shout and they sing and they're all together in this great event, the day of the Lord.